you got to work for it. Yeah. <laughs> you're kind of like waiting. And then you're like, wait, is this smut? And by the time you get like nearly to the end, you're like, this doesn't feel right. Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy, but it's also sassy and it's silly and it's fun. Hi, I'm El Greco and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive, (laughs) see what I did there? Conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. Katie Frey was always meant to write romance. She romanticized everything since she was a kid, dreaming up impossible situations, brave heroines, deserving counterparts. After turning 35 last year, she decided it was time to make it happen. Her first manuscript behind her, she is now working on the other bits of fun that go along with being a writer in the year 2021, like Twitter. I don't know if I'd call that fun, but there you go. (laughs) These days, you're likely to find her in the forest chasing her two little gremlin daughters as as in a coffee shop, trying hard not to eat four croissants in one sitting, because let's be real, one croissant is a child's portion, and I agree with that fully. She works in the family business as a day job, designing fairy dresses and tools to encourage imagination through play, which is, uh, you can find that at greatpretenders.ca. Her nightlife, that's when the fun begins. And sadly, no, she is not only talking about the cherished time with her hunky husband these days. She's pretty excited for alone time with her laptop, getting the stories out instead of pretending to like watching soccer. Welcome, Katie, to Steam Scenes. Thank you so much for having me. That's quite a bio. (laughs) Yes, well, I'm just glad that I didn't have to fake it through another World Cup. (laughs) That's really something. Yeah. Um, So I'm kind of curious. I'm I'm very curious about your day job, actually. Okay. Um, What what do you, like, what what is the fairy dresses and tools to encourage imagination through play? That sounds actually really interesting. um, Well, it is kind of cool. My mom started a company when I was a kid. She was an engineer back in the day. Uh, one of, I think, two females working for Magna International. Um, and she was frustrated by the lack of toys that were gender neutral in the marketplace when I was born. And so she thought she would um, make her own and sell her amazing idea to Mattel and be really rich. And um, to 35 years later and <laughs> no one's bought it yet. But uh, the the flip side of that is that she's grown her idea that started in our basement into a, a brand that's distributed around the world. So it's pretty cool. My husband and I manage the European division. So we okay. kind of go and see toy shops and bring the designs all over Europe. And uh, no, it's, it's really fun. You know, it's really, that's again, a- like, yeah, against like plastic play, just very into like fabrics and costumes and, yeah. That's actually a really great day job. And it feels like something that sort of lends itself well to a writer. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Because yeah. I, I can like make my own schedule and I work from home. And, you know, it's um, it's kind of when you're feeling creative, you can yeah, write kind of or you can design. That, it's sort of... Yeah. Yeah, like that's the thing. It sort of like ticks a lot of creative boxes, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
at what point, you know, you said you turned 35 and you decided that, you know, this was the year you were going to make the writing happen. Like at what yeah. point were, were you always a writer? Did you dabble? Like at, at what point so did you about, sort of start? This was about a year ago. So we had just kind of gotten into the, into COVID, into lockdown. And every year I am, um, I used to, I have this very cool journal, which I super recommend to people that I used to journal religiously. Um, and when I was thinking about what I would talk about, I thought oh, I'd talk about that because I, you know, I, I thought to myself convinced that like people would want to one day I would use these sort of adolescent journals as like tools to have information to write about when I'm later a grown up and a real writer. And I can tell you these journals are so boring. It's unimaginably boring. It's really, it's really, really dull. And I mean, it was my life. So I can't imagine that anyone would be interested in reading these journals. But as I grew older, I happened on Chronicle Books and they made a, a journal called just One Line a Day, okay. which is imagine like a book, uh, kind of like an agenda that has a page for every day of the year. And then there's like kind of five paragraphs. And the idea is you write one line every day. Um, and then the following year, you go back to the beginning of the book and you write a second line every day, you know, and then by year four, you can go back and see what did you write about four years ago? Wow. Um, yeah, it's really cool. And uh, that's kind of wild. And it's also like very and low so, commitment when you have children. You're just like, I'm going to write this one line and I can manage yeah, that. Yeah, one line is quick. Yeah. So like the one line when you go back to like a year later that day, right? Yeah. Do, do, it can be any line or are you sort of like playing off of the line you wrote the year before? I don't know. Like, it's just, it, you know, whatever. My line from February 6th, 2018. F still sick, 11 a.m. on the slopes for day three of the sunny spring skiing. Very expensive dinner, 175 francs. <laughs> I somehow thought that would be something that I, I needed to remember. I'm probably thinking now I should have picked a steamier line for this podcast. But as <laughs> you can look back and, and see, like, serve children frozen fruit for dinner. You know, like really random notes, but you can kind of see where you were a year ago or three years ago or five years ago. Yeah, it's cool. And I don't have time to journal that's anymore. Kind of, that's but, pretty wild. You know. And I'm sorry, how well, long have you? Oh, so yeah, okay. I've I been doing this for years. And, and, and where, this, where this came from was on my birthday, I um, I usually spend on my birthday on, on New Year's, I write down resolutions and uh, I carry over the resolutions that I don't hit. And I mean, in this poor little journal every year, it was, I'm going to write a book this year. I'm going to write a book this year. I'm going to, and I keep recopying it. And I was like, oh, this is so depressing. Um, so that when I, when I turned 35, I said, okay, no, 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 I'm going to write a book this year. And uh, that's kind of where it came from. Just from having written it down so many times, I figured, okay, let's, let's give it a go. Yeah. So did you always sort of like growing up want to be a writer and you just ended up in this other career because it was like the family business or, you know, so where were you kind of, you know, I think that before? I think I was um, like, to be honest, I think that I, you know, my, my first book that I wrote about is um, I, I kind of talk about identity. It's about twins. And um, anyway, through a, a hijinks, they end up swapping identities and right. it raises the question of like, if, if you pretend to be somebody else in another way, are you in fact more yourself than you would otherwise be? Because if you fail at that thing you're pretending, it's not you failing. It's, it's this mm. person that you're pretending to be failing. So this kind of question right. that first book is like, actually, sometimes if you pretend to be someone else, are you in fact more yourself 
than you would otherwise dare. And I, right. I almost think writing for me was that way. I think I never wanted to be a writer because if I never tried at it, I could never fail at it. And it mm -hmm. was almost like too important to me to fail at. So as long okay. as like, I'm not writing cause like I'm too busy. I have kids. I running a marathon, whatever. It wasn't because I wasn't good enough, you know? And, um, I think that was something. And then I finally turned old enough to be like, okay, well, maybe I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not going to not do it because I'm afraid to fail, even if it's super important to me. And, right. uh, and voila. Yeah. And, and here we are. And here we are. Yeah. I mean, um, I honestly was expecting it to be, to take longer than it took to kind of gain purchase and, uh, and have success as an author, you know, so I'm pretty excited and I wish I'd started sooner. So my advice to anybody out there is pick up a pen and go now because, um, it's better to fail at something you love than not try it because you're scared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I yeah. sort of feel, I, I sort of, I, I feel, I feel like there's, a, I feel like two ways about this. Like on the one hand, it's like, you know, if you haven't tried, like you've already failed if you don't try. Right. Yeah. Like that's sort of like how I sort of like work things out in my head. I'm like, well, haven't I already failed if I didn't try? But then the other part of it too is I couldn't have written. I, I don't think I could have done this at 20. I don't think I had the maturity. I don't think I had the, um, you know, I don't think that I was ready to sort of like let go of my own ideals. Like, like I, I don't think I, I'm, I try very hard not to be precious with my writing. So like, my editor says this sucks. Then I'm like, okay, it sucks. So let's fix it. When I was in, you know, when I was 20, I think I would have been like, oh, no, of course it, I wrote that. It doesn't suck. You know, <laughs> it's a very yeah. different mindset, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I think, uh, I think also like there's a lot of rejection that comes along with writing. And so I think, um, you know, you gotta get your, you gotta get your skin nice and thick before you take that on. So, so do you remember the first romance book you ever read? So I do. I, um, I was at Sarnia Christian school, which is a grade school in my hometown. Or I forget the actual name of it, but, um, I was, a uh, spent a lot of time in the library and I had found a, and I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, but Jeanette Oakey. Like I was a voracious reader. I read all the time because uh, I was a big nerd. And uh, after I finished Little House on the Prairie, I was kind of into this like, you know, um, then it, all the Judy Bloom and all the rest of it. And then I got on to Jeanette Oakey and the Love Comes Softly series. Oh, I don't know if, yeah. if you remember that. I do. Yeah. I actually, believe it or not. I saw a mini series that was based. Yeah, with Did like, you know with like Catherine Heigl. Yes. 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 <laughs> so um, I actually stole that book um, from the library. Yeah, total confession. Nice. Yeah, I stole it. I still have it. Like whenever I move, because I like I carry such shame that like I I stole this book from a library. And even as a kid, I would I like brought other books back and I would kind of leave them in the library, you know, to, like offset my thieving. But um, I still have the Love Comes Softly that I that I stole. It was a clean historical Christian romance. Um, yes, like I. Uh, I am not religious, so, but that was what I could get, so I loved it, um, and from there I moved on to Victoria Holt, and, okay. um, I recently got into Outlander, the Outlander series, mm -hmm. and, yep. uh, I am pretty far down that rabbit hole, 
Yeah. So this is really funny because you write contemporary, yet you read historical. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of weird. Um, but basically, I, I watched the Netflix uh, of Outlander. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, I really super liked it. Sam Hewen is everything. Jamie Fraser is my <laughs> book husband. I actually had a serious conversation with my husband after I signed with Harlequin. And he was like, tell me now, like, did you start writing so that you could become famous and license your books so that you could meet Sam Hewen? Like, is that what this is about? <laughs> I was just like, I want to thank you for believing that like my books could get licensed and kind of yes. And you're like, yeah, absolutely. Damien, if you're listening, I'm really funny and <laughs> not single at the moment, but we can talk. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you- <laughs> So what drew you to romance? I mean, you were drawn to it. I guess you were drawn to the historical accent and kind of accidentally stumbled. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm a, you know, I think everybody who writes romance is a real sucker for the happy ever after. I'm a big sap in like a big sap in real life and, you know, everything that's so depressing going on and all the, I mean, everyone in Switzerland, like have a dinner party here, which is where I'm from. And everyone's like, oh, what do you think about this, you know, the Iran deal? And I'm like, okay, it's a little heavy. Like, <laughs> calm down. Have a, <laughs> you know, have a mini have quiche. A like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, can we, like, can we not talk about nuclear disarmament? It's a Thursday, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I, I kind of, you know, people make fun of me because they think, oh, you're, you know, it's funny that someone like you would read romance. And I'm like, I'm offended by that. I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? Yeah, that's you know, kind of weird. Someone like yeah, you. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, I don't like that. And I think that there's, you know, um, a lot of people think like romance isn't highbrow writing, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and uh, I don't. I'm ready to turn that on its head. I don't know if I believe that. So I thought, yeah, I'm gonna write, um, write romance, and that was a big thing for me too. Was when I, you know, clicked publish, I self published my first book, and now I have signed a two book deal with Harlequin and I had to send over on their contract like what what name do you want you know what pen name do you want this was a big big discussion and um Harlequin Desire you know they're they they want two scenes on the page you know explicit whatever and and I thought to myself hmm like what what name do I put down on this contract and it was kind of a I don't know, seminal moment for me when I was like, no, you know what? No, I'm going to use my name because I'm really proud of what I'm doing. And I, I think, hell yeah, I, I write romance and yes, Harlequin Desire, I will make it steamy for you. <laughs> <laughs> no apologies. <laughs> so, there is no yeah, shame here. Yeah, zero, absolutely. Zero. Absolutely. So there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so now your first, your first book was self-pubbed and mm-hmm. w- was that the first one you wrote? Was that the one you started a year yeah. ago? Yeah. 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 So I started, oh, okay, I started cool. writing in last May and I, I pulled the trigger in, in, actually a, a year later in May. And, uh, cause I'd wanted to have some sort of books in the, in the funnel, I guess you could say to try and rapid release, okay. like a lot of indies are doing. And, right. um, but the, the second kind of book I, I had prepped, I pitched to Harlequin into their slush pile, uh, thinking that, oh. you know, that's unlikely because I think less than right. about half a percent of, of unagented authors are making it out of the slush pile for the Harlequin umbrella. That's the last stat I read. So I thought, you know, I'll just put put it in there. And then if I don't hear back in six months, I'll, I'll publish it myself. And then, um, I heard back 
And so wow. I know that's kind of random, but kind of amazing. <laughs> so how long did it take them just out of curiosity? Uh, I submitted the first week of Feb and I heard mid-March about six weeks later. That's really quick. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it was that's like the really 31st quick. of January and I heard back about six weeks later. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. So, so is this sort of tie? Is the the book that's coming out now that's being published by Harlequin is that tied to the book that you self published, or no. are they complete standalones? They have nothing to do they, with one uh, another. Harlequin had a call for westerns, so I thought, what the hell? I'll write a western, and so I binge watched Yellowstone. <laughs> and oh, how is that? It. It's so like on my it's on yeah. my list to watch, but I don't think I can. Is it streaming anywhere? Because that's like. I have no way to watch anything unless it's so it's it's not um so in switzerland you can like watch the illegal streaming sites and it's oh right you're you're not here yeah it's like kind of allowed and so i may have done that (laughs) (laughs) may or may not have done that i'm not saying okay i don't know okay allegedly gonna use allegedly (laughs) here i allegedly (laughs) downloaded it i don't know um but yeah, I uh, there's like a cowboy that I think kind of looks like my husband, and a lot of people think I'm delusional, and they might they might not be wrong, but um, I cling to that delusion, <laughs> and I was like, it's kind of like my husband. I can totally lust after that guy in front of my husband. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I liked it. I mean, Kevin Costner is the kind of head of the family, and he's a babe even in his sixties, I guess. In this uh, in the filming, I thought, okay. All right. God, he's in the 60s. Oh, my God. I don't know. I know. I know, right? <laughs> Wild to think about that. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> so w- was your first... Now, w- was your first uh, book, the one you self-pubbed, that was... Was that Sweet Romance? I mean, I really struggle with this, like, how to, how to classify Steam. I mean, even when you get into Sweet Romance and, like, how far they allowed to go, I mean... I don't know. There was definitely a second. It was a little bit fade to black, I would say. Um, okay. But I think in sweet romance, like you got to be totally clean, right? Like, I don't know. Right. I, I, right. I yeah, struggle because I was definitely like in the, I would say it was fade to black, but, okay. you know, with a lot of illusions. Right. Like I'm alluding like crazy to stuff happening. And I, I don't think you're technically allowed to do that for the, like, I don't know. Sweet. I don't know. <laughs> it wouldn't have made it. It wouldn't have made it in my grade school library. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but for Harlequin, you have to like you you. It's got to be there. Like so, it's got to yeah, be on they, the page. They didn't yeah. buy my book off the off the cuff. I got a an email from the senior acquiring editor saying, "Loved this book, um, but you need to have it on the page for our brand. Um, right. So and it has to be at least twice in the book. And so I was like, okay." She said, if you're willing to make those revisions, then you can send it directly to my email and not work through submittable and all the rest of it. But we do need to see it on the page. Um, So I was like, okay, challenge accepted. And um, I went for it. And uh, and that that was the version that she bought. Yeah. Wow. Okay. (laughs) But it was really like out of the frying pan into the fire. I was like, okay, I'll go for it. Like (laughs) if I have a chance to to sell this book to... uh, the, one of the largest publishers in the world, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> so what was that like? Um, it was, uh, for me, it was, I did face a little bit of like, my uncle's going to read this, you know, everyone mm. I went to high school is going to read this. How's that going to go? And then, um, then I was like, 
well, I hope they think it's hot, <laughs> you know, like, because I'm writing it. And uh, did, yeah. Do you know what brought about that mindset shift? Or was it just like, you just had like a minute of like, oh, sh- the oh shit minute. And then you were like, okay, here we go. Yeah, I think uh, I just, I mean, I would say, I mean, you've, you've obviously read the scenes. I, I think that they're not, you know, they're not lewd. I would say I tried to stay on like the, I mean, there's definitely more explicit than, than what I'm writing. You know, it's right. definitely on the, on the romance side of erotica, I would say <laughs> for sure. Um, so I tried to, I sort of made the decision to keep it really about how does this moment move the plot forward? How does this mm-hmm. moment like raise the stakes for each character? Um, when I'm raising the stakes, like, like how am I translating that into the scene? Um, so, so that's, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. And do you, do you feel, I mean, this is, this is kind of like, I, I feel like this is like an awkward phrasing, but like, because I, I, I know what I want to ask, but for some reason I can't quite find the words for it. It was the question, did your writing at all change when you decided to add in steam? But I mean, your writing is not going to change. The style is not going to change, but I guess it's sort of like, I guess maybe what changed in terms of how you were writing these moments, so, right? Does that make sense? I totally, I, I, I think I understand what you mean. So if you can imagine okay. that, so I started with Nearly Wed, which is my sort of first, first book. And that I would say is more or less fade to black. Like my, my, you know, I've definitely had the feedback, like we wish that you'd let that go on a little longer, you know? And I'm like, okay, okay. I understand. Then I write this Harlequin and I have to boom, make sure, make sure I have at least two scenes. I think I ended up with three. And then in, in the sequel to Nearly Wed, um, which is sort of the same story, but from the other twins' perspective, um, mm. nearly her, the other twin's a lot more confident, and so she tends to lead with sex a lot more. And given that I had just gotten out of this Harlequin, blitzy desire book, I just went for it with the second book, and I kind of didn't frame the character's decisions by the kind of book I wanted to write. Instead, I just said, okay, like if she's the kind of person that would, you know, use sex to stop a conversation, I'm going to do that right now and see what happens. And then if, you know, they're together in this chateau or what have you, I'm going to just let them do what comes naturally. And then let's see what the consequences are and work that into the plot. So I'd say definitely that taking away any kind of, I don't know, barrier or framework that I might've been sticking to beforehand to stay on the cleaner side of steam, um, definitely allowed me to follow the story in a different way. I would say. Okay. Yeah. If that makes sense. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Like yeah. A ridiculous answer, but there you go. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. So I mean, I guess maybe, maybe it's not the question of why did you start writing steam? It's more the question why, why you didn't in the first place, why you did fade to black. Yeah. I think I was worried about what people would think about it really. Mm. Um, and I, I didn't like, I'm, I'm, I really didn't want to use a pseudonym. I really wanted to be able to put my name on it. Like they're definitely after my children, my books are like the things I'm the most proud of. Um, right. So I, I wanted to be able to say I wrote this and I was, I was written. I also, you know, I worried if I, if I maybe get into women's fiction or, you know, literary fiction, how, how is it going to look having this sort of, I, I think maybe I had a little bit of concern about, is this, is this highbrow enough? And if I, if I make it steamy, is it, is it 
highbrow enough that I would say it's mine. Like be proud that it's mine, if that makes sense. I think for me, it was really about that. It was about like, is this something I'm going to look back on when I'm 50 and be like, that was a, that was a great book I wrote. And I think maybe part of me thought if I, if I make it too steamy, then it won't be this great book I wrote. It'll be a sort of trendy piece of fiction that I won't be as proud of. And that I think was just something for me to work through. And, And when I wrote it, when I, when I wrote the Harlequin and I was really proud of it after, you know, and I, I actually, like, I wonder, I thought the Harlequin was the best thing I'd ever written until I worked on nearly her. And now I'm like, that's the best thing I've ever written. <laughs> I did not, I totally do not suffer from imposter syndrome. I'm like, I'm amazing. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I think that I just had to do it before I realized like, this isn't a sleazy thing. This is a really great book. And I will definitely be proud of it when I'm 50. So lean in. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So you have your marching orders from Harlequin and they're like, we love your book. I, we just need to see it on the page. And you're like, okay, I can do this. And you sit down at your desk and you have to write the first one. What was that like? Yeah. So first I watched, um, season one, episode seven of Outlander. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. That's very specific. So you asked. Okay. You asked. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I actually have a GIF loop or a GIF loop on my uh, on my Instagram. You guys can all go and look at it. You're welcome. So I just like watched that about 30 times and then was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> no one come in here. <laughs> Don't ruin this for me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I also highly recommend episode seven. Anybody listening? You should definitely get on okay i don't what, ha- what what happened in episode seven they get married okay so oh it's the wedding scene okay <laughs> yeah. got it yep. yeah okay yeah. now i remember that yeah. one yeah, yeah. yeah. So all right watch that a lot and uh one thing i liked about that scene um is that they don't just get to the sex it's really i like the conversation in between i like the sort of revelations that you have about each character i I thought, okay, well, that's awesome. And I'm obviously, right. I'm obviously wrong about everything I thought was right. Um, so, so yes. Yeah, I guess, I mean, there's a lot yeah. more to it than just that sort of choreography, right? Of like, insert this into the slot A, piece B, whatever. Yeah. And it's like, there's just, it's a very different thing. Cause I think that um, when you talk about sex scenes, there's a very sort of like, I don't know, almost like literal, like we're, like there is this very, I don't know, almost machine-like quality, you know what I mean? Like assembly line yeah. sort of thoughts going on about it. But in actuality, there's a lot more to it than simply the action of sex. Yeah. I worried like, um, how am I going to do at making each one different that was something that that occurred to me like especially you know it started mm. with the harlequins so i i ended up i think i had three in my harlequin and uh i was like how am i going to make this vastly different from the first time that they do it or you know right. what what's going to change in this scene or how is this sex going to be so so different than whatever the next sex scene so that it you know stays exciting for people that are reading it um you know, and how did you work through that? Well, I wrote a letter to the producers of Outlander and told them to try harder. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
like, I can't keep watching episode seven. I need to move on from this. Well, no, I, um, I don't know. I, uh, I thought about, um, I like to think about who has the power, you know, cause to mm. me there's also an element of power in sex. So I'm thinking about who has the power in this interaction and how can I change okay. that? So that's something that I always think about. And, um, and I like to think about like, what does somebody have to lose here? Like what, why are we doing this? Cause they both want each other. That's a bit simple. You know, there's gotta be something okay. more, right? So like either they're looking for validation, either they're looking for, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it is they, they want to forget. They want to stop hurting. They want, you know, to lose themselves for a second. And if so, why? Right. You know, all that kind of stuff. So I try and change it up with each interaction. And I especially like when there's an opportunity to lead up to it, almost like breadcrumbs. So I like when, you know, it starts with a text message and then, you know, maybe a scene goes by, but you know, they're both thinking about it, even in the interaction in between the text message and then the event, if you will. So that's right. something I try and I try and think about it as if I was choreographing a dance, you know, you've got mm -hmm. like that sort of prelude and you've got the first act and then you've got the kind of chorus and then yeah. the finale. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you, there's a very much in the scene that you sent over to me, there's very much this slow burn quality to it yeah. where, you know, I know you really took your time. Yeah. I, I and I was like, wow. I think that's also like a definitely a style for me. So in all my like, so I say all my books like I've written a lot. Oh my god, in the three books that I've done <laughs> that that are Stevie, um, you know, like the Harlequin. I think they do it in chapter maybe twelve of twenty. Okay. In uh, nearly her, it's chapter eleven of twenty eight. And then they okay. don't do it again until chapter 17, you know? So it's really like, and then of course it's like chapter 18, chapter 19, chapter 20, you know, like it's lots, but it's, you got to work for it. Yeah. You kind of like waiting and then you're like, wait, is this smut? By the time you get like nearly to the end, you're like, this doesn't feel right. Wait, what did I just read? I had, like my editor was like, this feels like too much. And I was like, it's fine. Isn't there such a thing as too much, really? Yeah, that's what she was like. She's like, this is unnecessary. I was like, it's necessary. They're outside. It's a forest. It's necessary. Like, hey, mom. <laughs> you know? So it's it's funny. Like, but I definitely, I definitely am a fan. Of, like, I like the slow burn, and I, I, I've played around with. You know, Harlequin have a blind eye on my second book, so I'm, I'm thinking about like, what's the second one going to be? And I thought about, do you start it with that one night stand? that mm. you know everybody regrets you know and and I've really played with that but I think that for me the way I am leaning into these sex scenes it's heavier when you have some when you understand the stakes a little bit more than you can in that sort of first 10 pages for me just like the way that I'm writing so anyway mm -hmm. that's yeah that's I guess I have some growing to do in my smut ability <laughs> now that I've decided to lean in <laughs> I, it's really I mean for like for me when I write um the sex scenes especially uh you know this is probably like a revelation that I've come to in the past 
six months actually took a course in writing, uh, not writing. It was actually about uh, really intimacy and relationship and sex coaching. So I, I kind of like drill, like really drilled down to like certain things. And one of the things that sort of stuck out to me from the class is that, you know, sex is a form of healing. And so I was like, Ooh. And then I was like, it was like, I was just like, ding, ding, ding. And I was like, okay, that was worth the price of admission here to just sort of like get that because I knew, you know, oh, it has to further the character's journey. Oh, it has to propel the plot forward. Oh, it has to do all of these things. But then that always felt weird to me. Like that never just felt right. Like it was kind of like, so sex is a plot device. Ah, you know, I don't quite get that. Uh, Cause I think how long are the books that you're writing? Probably about 80,000. About 80,000. So 80,000 yeah. words, like, doesn't it need to be a plot device? I don't I, I found, like, I struggled to, like, get from A to B. If I have too much filler, like, I, I like that to mean something because then it's making, it's really packing the punch in my next chapters, you know? Yeah, I'm not sure, though, what you, you're saying in terms of plot device then because it sort of feels like, um, I mean, yeah, but ultimately if it's, if it's about the characters and sort of their growth and I'm just using it as a plot device, that doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't like, firstly, I don't think I, I never studied writing. So I don't know if I totally even understand plot device, but like what I, Mm. what I mean is like, I want them to discover something. I don't know. Like for me, when I write these scenes, I want there to be a ramification after that first time. For me, it's the first time is the most important one. The first time that they have sex on the page, if it's the hero and the heroine or the hero and the hero, whatever, mm-hmm. to me, it has to be that moment of, okay, now everything is different. Like we just flip things on their heads because this thing, like, because in romance, mm-hmm. the whole story is going to that heavy happily ever after. Right. So you would think, okay, they have sex. That's, that's, they're there, right? Because everybody's happy if you're doing it right. <laughs> but that can't be them being happy and you're doing it right because that's not the end of the book typically. So right. if it's not the end of the book, there has to be some other side of it, you know, that that's the ramification of them doing it, right? Because if it's so, so good, I, I just, maybe I haven't read enough romance. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I, I think that I get what you're saying. I think that we're looking at plot devices, two very different things. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like to me, plot device is sort of like you can't have a detective, like a murder mystery without a murder, right? So I'm, but you can have a romance book without the sex. So it's sort of like, okay, so then if you can do that, then what is the sex doing? And so I guess, you know, to sort of start it, start off a book with a bang, like literally, and have them having sex right away, I think actually that does really speak to the characters in a in a certain way because they're doing, let's say, that one night stand. And what does that one night stand do for them? Like, what is that healing moment of that one night stand? Oh, no, you totally well, can. Not, you totally you know? can. I just wouldn't know how to write it. Like, I just wouldn't know how to write that one night stand. Like, because the way I tend to do it, it's it's always, like, really these, like, heavy moments or these, like, revelations or almost, like, mm-hmm. reverence that I, I think you, you can't have. I mean, all this comes down to the fact that I probably haven't had enough one night stands to write about good ones. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, you know... I'm coming back to this. Sam Hewen, if you're listening, <laughs> I need to up my ante. <laughs> Let's do it. But um, I think, you know, for me, it's they, they, they end up in the middle of the book because I understand how the sex is going to affect those relationships better at that point. 
you know, and mm. then I can, then I can say, okay, you know, she's lying about who she is. He knows that she's lying about who she is. They have sex mm -hmm. anyway. What does that even mean? Does that mean that who they are isn't important or that their lying is less relevant than how much they want each other? Or does it mean that she thinks he wouldn't want her if he knew who she was? Or that what she's done is so terrible that he wouldn't forgive her? If he, like, you know what I mean? That, like, all these really interesting questions that as a writer I can then dig into, you know? Right, so that's like right. what I like. And then I get in this like epic internal dialogue as everything is happening and it gives me another level. So I guess I just, uh, that's like how I come at it typically. Right. I think, I think we're talking about something very yeah. similar. I think we're just like sort of looking at it from very different perspectives, <laughs> but I think that the end result is probably yeah. very close to the same. Yeah. So what's your favorite steamy moment in literature? Would that be season one, episode seven? Um, definitely. Definitely, definitely, okay. 100%. <laughs> yes. It's not even a hard question. <laughs> That's, yeah. It's great. I listened to it on audio. It was incredible. <laughs> so even on the page, not just on the on the screen, like even on the page, absolutely, you're good. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that that's, um, although I will say this. So I listened to, I think I'm on like my sixth audio book in the Outlander series. And, um, and then Diana Gabaldon wrote, a like how to the, you know, the anatomy of a sex scene, how to write good yes. sex on paper or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So this is why, so I actually produced an audiobook of one of my novellas and I hired a narrator because I had just listened to Diana Gabaldon, like narrate her own book. And it was so horrifying mm -hmm. that I was like, oh really? my God, like, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Just because you licensed your shit to stars, like, you should have hired that out, man. It was so... Like, she was not good at reading her own shit? It was so horrifying that you should find an excerpt and include it on this podcast. It was horrifying. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And no. this was for her How to Write the Sex Scene It was book the that's... least... I couldn't even listen to it was what she was so saying. so unsexy. Because I was oh, like, wow, man. this is... My ovaries have shriveled up and it's over. Not that her regular narrator has some like sex pot voice, but just her voice is like, and if you're wondering how to write a good sex scene, well, the first step is, you know, it's like that. You're like, wow, that's, that's scratchy. So, um, uh, so I did read that. She needs some voice training. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think she just needs to hire it out. You know, we can't be good at everything. And, uh, that's great to know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think I'll, I think nonfiction, uh, like nonfiction, there's a lot of pressure to read it yourself. Yeah, like seriously, every nonfiction, but I don't listen to a lot of audiobooks. I prefer reading. It doesn't I, I space out. Yeah, like if I'm listening to something, I just go I my imagination goes I daydream I go someplace else. And then I've yeah. next thing you know, I've missed half the book. So yeah. I, I don't listen to a lot of audio. Yeah. Um, but the nonfiction audio that I have listened to has always been narrated by the author. Oh, God. It's I, a thing. It was almost enough for me to just not not finish. Actually, I don't think I have finished it. it oh, wow. It was really painful. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was like, wow. I would rather, like, Margaret Atwood narrated this. Like, I just, I just finished her master class and was like, that would be better than this. Like, I can't, I can't keep <laughs> on. This is, yeah. Yeah. So, wow. So. Okay. I do not recommend that. Definitely buy it. Don't, <laughs> don't get it on Audible, for sure. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> so, 
I want to let's jump into your steamy scene. Um, now, this is from Nearly Her, which is coming out July 31st. So by the time this podcast airs, it will ha- it will be out. Um, and this is the Harlequin book, correct? No, this is my sequel. No. This is my sequel. Yeah. Okay. To, I'm uh... sorry. So the Harlequin. Okay. I was a little bit confused. So walk me through your books now. This is going to be your sequel. This is the the twinning book yeah. now. This is the yeah. the twins. And that self-published. The Harlequins are the Western. Yeah. So I, I wrote okay. two, two Westerns for Harlequin Desires. So I'm still waiting on my pub date for A Cowboy's Inheritance. And, okay, got it. Uh, and I'm working on book two. I'm behind already. Woohoo! And uh, yeah. those will be, I think, launching next year. But we'll see. Okay. Super and so for Nearly Her and its cohort, is this a duet or do you have other things planned in the series? Well, I uh, I have a novella to start them off. And I have a third one, Nearly Never After, that will launch this fall. Oh, so, cool. Okay, so this is kind of ongoing. Yeah. There's more than two. I'm too obsessed, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm thinking that Nearly Never After is going to be steamy. <laughs> yes! Now that you've had the experience. Now that I've well, dipped a toe in, <laughs> I'm a convert. This is cool. Okay, and it's all making sense. Okay, so this is from... This is from I'm Nearly so, Her. I'm so curious about which section you're going to read. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, here we go. Okay. Oh, and I'm sorry. Can you set this up for us? I should have you set this up. We've got uh, Jill and, oh my God, I've just lost his name. Ben. ben. Yeah. Jill and Ben. And this is their first time together, correct? No. Oh, oh, oh wait. It depends which ones you're which one you're going to read. Oh yeah, um, I think... starting with cedarwood and geranium. So that is chapter eleven. So that is their first time together. Yeah. So basically, uh, Jill is a twin to Ellie, and Ellie has a mountain of medical debt, having survived three uh, run-ins with brain cancer. Jill Oof. feels like a kind of a responsibility as the twin who didn't get sick to help her sister pay the bill. She was a part-time model until she stopped getting bookings and she decided to try and get a job as an executive assistant. Of course, she didn't have a very good, like she dropped out of school to be a model. So when she was put on the spot in her temp agency, she tried on her sister's resume because Ellie went to Uh. university. And anyway, she talked her way into a job as an executive assistant to Ben. She was hired by the CEO who is trying to set Ben up for untoward behavior and offered an $80,000 bonus if she managed to get some kind of, you know, proof that he was, you know, having sexual harassment, whatever, anything that could unseat him from the board. And wow. uh, But in the, in the meantime, she gets to know Ben and really has feelings for him and wonders like if there's maybe something going on with the, you know, the managing partner and all the rest of it. So this is, uh, about halfway through, like, okay. there's a whole second hook, and it's pretty confusing. But in a nutshell, okay, there it is. <laughs> in a nutshell, this is it. There it is. So what, <laughs> yeah. what trope does this fall under? Is this like a billionaire kind of trope, or I mean, and it's also mistaken identity, sort of. Yeah, there's there's a lot of tropes because basically, in nearly her, um, Jill, there's like another really another billionaire, of course, who comes into the diner where she works, and she's been kind of obsessing over her. Jill's twin Ellie and Jill comes in at the beginning of this book end of nearly wed. Cause this book is 
takes place at exactly the same time as Newlywed, but it's from Jill's uh, perspective. And Jill comes okay. in and says, oh, there's that that really rich guy. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to finagle a date with him. He's got a different socialite on his arm every week. Like, why not me? One of us should get in on this. So she right. basically finagles uh, Marriage of Convenience with Luke Hamilton in both books huh? mm. and then ends up on the day of the wedding, which is, I think, in chapter 10, um, passing it off and saying to Ellie, look, how can a marriage of convenience be inconvenient for me? Like this is supposed to be convenient, but it's not. So you be, if you want to marry this billionaire and get rid of your, you know, medical debt, go for it. But I'm in love with someone else, even though she's not quite in love with Ben at this point, she just wants out of the, out of the responsibility of marrying Luke. So, um, she does that and Ellie pretends to be Jill. So of course Jill has to pretend to be Ellie and there it is. Wow. Okay. I'm, I know I'm probably, you're going to be like, read the book, but do they have to keep up the, sh- like, do they, I, it feels like they've traded, yeah. they've completely traded identities for the rest of their lives they, or does it all come out they, in the end? They keep it up for quite some time and like right at the end in that dark moment, you know, there's these different people that come in and sort of tear it all down and, Oof. uh, and yeah, so we'd give it away. Wow. But, you know, Jill is sort of the antagonist in, in Nearly Wed and you kind of hate her and people are like, what's a bit, a bit risky, like, you know, making your second book about like your most hated character, Jill. But, um, that's what I did. So this is her, wow. her story and what happens on the other side of, of what happened with her anyway. So. Yes. Okay. Okay. Here we cool. go. He slid a hand to her side, the hot weight of brand to her posture. She felt a thumb stroke against the side of her hip and wondered for a brief moment if the touch was imagined. She had had several beers, although it had been a while since her last alcoholic one. I think I'm done for the night. I must be getting old. This place is feeling a little loud. He straightened with the admission and pulled his hand from her side. Her hip felt naked without the weight of his touch, and she slid her own hand to cover the spot on her skin his touch had branded. It was a poor replacement. Maybe it was the vibe of the night. Maybe it was seeing him outside of work dressed like sex on a stick. But right now, she wanted him more than she could ever remember wanting anyone. I thought that this moment was super sensual. Like, even just, even, it's so simple and there's really not much happening here. But there was still a real sensuality on this. And I was, it just reminded me how much I love romance beginnings. Like, like when it's all tentative and it's a little weird, yeah. you know, and you're kind of like, is this okay? Is this not okay? I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do here. And I kind of felt like this really nailed that moment. I like, I, I talk about this a lot in, in all the books that I read. There's always that line that someone's crossing. And to me, it's kind of like, can I do this? Can I go further? What happens if I go here? And especially you have to imagine that she's working as his assistant. So, mm-hmm. you know, that touches is really unprofessional um and illicit and i mm. that does definitely make it hotter i mean <laughs> for sure <laughs> like, give me all the illicit that i can have please <laughs> so definitely what i like to lean into for sure yeah yeah it was really cool and like i said like i love that sort of tentative nature of it and i mean i guess because like we know where it's going, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, it's sort of, it was still this sort of like, Ooh, like this is really sensual and really like nice. Like I was just kind of like that tension started like that sort of like, I think the moment where the tension started to creep in for me, I, I, I definitely, um, I definitely don't read enough. I think that's 
probably a problem because I'm so focused on my output and I'm also always nervous that I'll get too influenced when I read somebody else's stuff that I might, you know, somehow subconsciously repeat that or be too affected by what I'm reading to lose my own original voice or what have you, what have you. But I do think it is like, you know, when you're saying, oh, send me a send me a steamy scene. And I was like, I don't even know if my steamy scenes are steamy enough, but then like, I think they are, but I don't even know, <laughs> you know? So, well, it's... I mean, it's all relative, right? Yeah. Like some one person's steam is another person's porn or another person's like, what are you talking about? That's too, like, there's no sex there, you know? And I like, I stand by, like, I've like some of the sexiest, I guess maybe it's not the best word, but I, most intimate stuff I've read are not necessarily sex on a page. I think that you can write intimacy really well with act, without actually showing anything. Well, it's funny because when I was talking to the this woman at um, at Harlequin with Stacy, the the editor I'm working with, I said to her, "I don't know because it has to fit my. I think what's what I don't like. I can tell you what I don't like. What I don't like is when you get to a sex scene and it's like someone else wrote it." You know, it's completely, completely disjointed from the rest of the narrative. So I feel like it has to fit, you know, the verbiage has to fit. Everything has mm -hmm. to be in the same tone and the same pacing. And I like even when it's a similar structure and beats and stuff like that. And, and so I said to her, like, I don't know if, if how I'm going to do this is going to be explicit enough for you. Um, like nothing's pulsing, nothing's throbbing. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work for Harlequin. And she said, you know, send it over let's see and then uh and then there you go okay yeah so we'll so see so now i th think we have left this event or function or whatever it is that they're at and we are now at his place um <laughs> you know oh you're sort still of like, reading oh god okay <laughs> i'll invite you for a drink my apartment's not that far and she's like okay here i go yeah. all right so now we're going to his apartment Ben stalled at the entrance and Jill took a step toward him. Let me help you with that. She reached for his necktie before waiting for permission, loosening the knot. Thanks, he managed throatily. Her fingers brushed against the hollow of his throat. Don't kiss him first, she warned herself. There was no worse sin, even if the prickly stubble of his jaw was all the temptation she could manage. Can I get you something? His voice was warm and rough in the shadows. She pulled the edges of her pashmina against her body in a defensive cocoon. Yep, this was a terrible idea. All the best ones were. I'll have whatever you want, she managed, amazed she was able to articulate a response, let alone a haughty one. All she could do was hope that he wanted the same thing, then turned and walked toward the living space, motioning for her to follow. Again, this is super sexy without any sex going on. Yeah. So, you know, this is where I was like, okay, like this, this is a serious slow burn because you are sort of like taking, <laughs> you're taking them up the hill. We're moving and towards that climax. Everyone's like, give it to me now. Come on. This is yeah. unnecessary. <laughs> I probably could have cut that. <laughs> but probably, no, you couldn't, yeah. right? Like you could, I mean, if you did, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be that slow burn. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't have it. You absolutely wouldn't have it. So I was like, oh my God, this is great. Oh, Where are we going God. here? <laughs> well, I think you know, you know, they're going, they're going for it. They're going for it. Oh God. <laughs> I, I know where we're going. I totally know where we're going. Okay. So we're almost there. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, this is, this is their, this is their night. And she's having all these questions, right? Was she cheating on Luke? No, Luke wasn't hers, you know? Um, Ben's what matters. Okay. Here yeah. she goes. 
I want you to, Ben, she finally admitted. Sometimes the best way to get on with the truth is to move on from the lie. Sure, she wasn't Ellie, but she was also more herself than she'd been in her whole life. Nothing about how much she wanted him was a lie. It was the only truth with consequence. His hand slid down her back, sliding under her camisole, hot against her skin. The fingers, a brand, hot and possessive. Then it started, the rain of kisses, starting at the spot on her neck most men ignored. Not Ben. The hollow of her neck proved a particular temptation for her boss. His lips were hot, and Jill felt the wet trail of tongue tasting her from the collarbone to lips. Fingers skimmed over her skirt, tracing the swell of her breast slightly, tantalizing her, leaving her panting. She wished he would grab her, take her fast. His kiss was strong and sure, tempting, without being overbearing. A few steps forward, and he was pulling her camisole over her head. It didn't even occur to her to her to stop him. It would be like fighting gravity, requiring a strength that would defy science, defy chemistry. Oh, hi. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Love that. She wished he would grab her, take her fast. No, 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 no. That's not what she's doing. No, that's not going to happen here. <laughs> wait. <laughs> Everybody wait. <laughs> Katie is torturing you. That's not how it happens here. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it was like, that's such a slow burn. I think that, um, I think that, you know, I sort of like jumped down and I'm, I know that you had sent me kind of a couple of different scenes. And so I'm not sure. Hold on. Let me see. Like I, like they've, I think they've already had. Yeah. I, I took one. Night, so then I, so basically yeah. they decide, so she's worried the next morning. So after this scene, you know, she wakes up and she is immediately doubting how this is going to affect her and, and how everything is going to you know, is, is he going to judge her? And, you know, was this horrible? What does this mean? And so she says, let's pretend this never happened, you know, mm-hmm. because she doesn't, she doesn't want him to say it first. You know, it's kind of, again, that power. Like if I'm the one who, who doesn't want it, you know what I mean? Then, right. then that kind of makes it okay. Right. And, and so right. they pretend it didn't happen for six or seven chapters. And then they, oh, wow. then they find themselves stuck in this castle or, I don't know what the second scene I sent you is. Maybe they find themselves, well, they, they fall off the horse, let's say, and then they decide to just lean in and get back on the horse as many times as they want. I'm sorry, my bad. I actually think this might be still, they haven't had sex yet. Hold on, I'm sorry. Now I can't even remember where this was, but it was, because if this was the first time, it took, it took a bit, it took a bit. Yeah, (laughs) it goes on a lot of pages. It goes on a lot of pages. Yeah. Okay. So let me just, still be the first time. I don't know. It's a whole chapter. It's like 3,500 words of them doing it. So I don't know. (laughs) Y'all, I'm taking you to your payoff. Don't worry. I'm taking you there. Okay. Without preamble, he sheathed himself, surprised by his own hardness. He wanted her perhaps more than he'd wanted any other woman before. You mean business? Okay, I think that what confused me is now we're in his head. Oh, right? like yeah, 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 yeah. I, I change halfway through. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. You mean business? Ellie propped her weight up onto onto elbows, taking in the view because he thinks she's Ellie. Yeah. He shuddered as a long limb lifted, curling around his back. Not all the time, but yes, right now I'm quite serious. He marvelled at the truth of it. He had never been less and more into business at the same time. She was a paradox. Her hands reached behind his neck and with a strength he hadn't expected, pulled him toward her. He fell on her, pressing her body into the duvet. 
If only he had more than two hands to touch her, more than one mouth to worship her, all his faculties felt insufficient, but he was ready to offer her every effort. Serious, are you then? Her voice, now infused with a husky timber, spoke into his neck, lips brushing against his skin with an electric freneticism that fueled him to distraction. Her breath was hot against him as he claimed her mouth. She met his enthusiasm with a raw hunger of her own, and it drove him to distraction. When he took her, he swore the profanity of perfect juxtaposition to holy experience. Her tight center of siren call to his libido slick with her need of him. He tried to think of anything else to distract himself from the roiling build of lust and ardor, ardor of hunger and protectiveness, of need. But there was to be no distraction from his want of her, no possible release other than hers. And when it came, a spasming shake that threatened the resolve he clung to, he drove further. The shattering finish was met with a second cry from her. Her fingers tightened in his hair, pulling at him. I need you, he, admit, he admitted. Where had that come from? So this isn't really closed door here. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. This was me trying to be steamy. <laughs> this is me trying. This was a closed door. And you, I mean, it worked. I mean, you know, no, it's like. This is literally me trying to be steamy. This is what I sold to Harlequin. I, I can't. Yeah, this is this is as steamy as I'm able to do at this moment. <laughs> but it's pretty damn steamy. Well, I mean, we have the act. You haven't closed the door. Like, you know, there's just not a lot, like you said, of like. You know, you're not pointing out where the pieces go. Yeah, I, I tried to avoid that. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, they're I mean, they're having sex here. I hope that's obvious. <laughs> that's not obvious. I haven't done my job. <laughs> but I would hope that people would get that together uh, again. Like this shouldn't be in the in a children's library, you know, or even a young adult <laughs> library. I would hope. <laughs> so, okay. So in this one, you were trying to write this. Now, the first book, no, right? This is, is there, this is literally is me trying to be steamy. I don't know. Like, this is okay. a lot steamier than, than the first book. The first book, the I, mean, I should have probably okay. sent it to you, but it's it probably would have ended, you know, like after the first thing that you read. Oh, wow. For example. Yeah. Oh, wow. You wouldn't have brought it any further than that. She probably would have woken up. The next month. Oh, wow. Thinking about what did that just mean? Yeah. Wow. So did you write this specifically because you had been writing the Harlequins or did you just make a decision for this book that you were going to be more, a little bit more graphic? I got some feedback from, from some like arc readers who read Nearly Wed, who loved it and were like, okay, we're going to give this five stars because we loved it. But like, you really kind of let us on there. We would have liked to just see that finish a little bit more. You know, and so um, I kind of had that in the back of my mind, and then I then I wrote the Harlequin, and and I I was you know I was pretty open with Stacy because I was worried that to your point, like you know that you just read it, that's about as steamy as I get. Um, so I don't know, like if people say, well, how would you rate that? I don't know. Was that like a five out of ten? Is that a seven? Like I I struggle with understanding how to rate a thing. Um, but I kind of said, okay, I'm going to try and write a scene for Harlequin. And it worked for them because they said, you know, they're, you know, they're rebranding, they're doing whatever it is, you know, so I don't know. <laughs> but, but for this one, I also thought that Jill is a lot more confident, like this character, you know, she was a model, she feels really good about how she looks. And so it makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense for her to lead with her body, you know, because that's, she's kind of, um, you know, just really confident. So I thought, okay, okay. let's have at it. Be naked. 
(laughs) Be naked. Be naked all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just uh, go for it. Let's go for it. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. So now I have, I have like a really cool street team. I mean, very small, but very cool street team that are, you know, telling me you need to read this and you need to read that. And I have a, a holiday coming up. So maybe I will put my own writing aside and try and read some other steam scenes and see if I get closer. I, I listened to several of your podcasts. So, you know, try and. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's sort of like, it's where your comfort level is, you know, like, what are you comfortable writing? You know, what works for the book, what works for the characters, you know, and, and to a degree, what works for your publisher as well. You know, if you're, if you are working, you know, traditionally. So I'm, you know, I think that, I mean, I've been hearing in terms of like the market, sweet romance is where it's at right now. People are tired of reading all the dirty, the dirty book. But I don't know if I can write sweet romance because like I do a lot of newsletter swaps. I have a pretty pretty bitchin' newsletter, everybody. So you should definitely check that out. But, um, you know, a lot of people won't swap with me because I'm not clean, right? Like clean romance is like clean. They're like, oh God, my yeah. my readers would be horrified by your, you know, dirty book. And I'm like, okay, calm down. It's not dirty. I don't even think nearly her is dirty, to be honest. I mean, we're all just read it. It's fine. But <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, like I've read some dirty shit, you know, and I love it. Like, give me all the all the smut out there. I'm I'm here for it and I like it. But um but yeah, I mean, so it's also for like swapping with people. It's it's kind of like nearly her is in this kind of weird space in between being, you know, really, really explicit and not explicit. Mm. And same as worse with nearly wed, because it's like not quite fade to black, but almost a little bit, I don't know. Right, so I thought I'd right. I'd rather just, you know, like nearly wed is in a place where like people who like s- sweet or clean romance would be offended. And people who like not like people who like more explicit romance would be like, that's not enough for us. So I right. thought like I need to like pick a side just for like AdWords and being able to like brand <laughs> it. I was like, I mean, I don't even know. Like how would I, like, you know, this is a problem. So I thought, okay, for nearly her, I'm going to put it on the page and you know, see where it goes. So yeah, that's the, yeah. and yes, yeah, and- I know sweet's more popular, but oh God. I, well, I and that's only been recent. There's just been, it's just been a pendulum swing. That's all. I, I mean, it, it really has, you know, it, it has, I, you know, and the pendulum will eventually swing back. To I, steamier, I like it less books. to read. And like, I'm reading my own book like a hundred million times before I publish it. And like, I don't want to keep reading. So I don't know. I, I, Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to the dark side. <laughs> I'll talk to you in a year, okay? In a year, I'll, I'll write something that you you'll blush reading, okay? <laughs> Just give me time. Oh, I don't know. I have an episode coming up that has super graphic anal sex going on. I don't. Oh after reading that out loud, I don't think there's much that can make me blush anymore. Okay, uh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll write something that'll make me blush for you to read. <laughs> you know, we're sort of like at this point with this podcast now where I'm like, yeah, top that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I don't know. Sex with a corpse. Maybe that'll do it. I have absolutely no idea, but that's kind of the, where we're headed. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly six feet under <laughs> the fifth book in my series. <laughs> oh so okay so nearly her coming out july 31st like i said it will already be out there in the world by the time this podcast uh goes live now where can people find you on the internet or social media where where do you like to be 
all what's your favorite so, social media site? Oh my god. I I know that like all the cool kids are on TikTok and like I know that and I'm like oh god I can't so I I tried a TikTok video it's so embarrassing please do not It's so hard. Like, do not look at it. Um I'm not even going to say my handle cuz it's just so embarrassing. But okay. um <laughs> I know that that's where I should be where I actually am is on Instagram, my comfortable yeah. little universe, Romance in the Alps. It's very comfortable. <laughs> um right now I'm I'm doing my my stuff on yeah, just on Amazon. So all the books are dropping okay. in Kindle Unlimited. And it's pretty fun. And we'll see. Oh, we'll see if I branch into wide. But right now, uh, like I say, I'm trying to rapid release both traditionally mm. and indie at the same time. So I'm basically just writing. That's a trick. Yeah, I'm just that's a trick. Just trying to see how much can I write and how fast, you know. Yeah, and so. that's and that's working the full time job and the kids and yeah. the husband. Well, and all I started that too, uh, right? I started dictating, which was huge. Um, oh really how is that yeah it's amazing it's really 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 I was worried about it because I um I like I'm a Mac person and I Mm -hmm. read that Dragon which is like the number one thing out there like isn't compatible with Mac and I was also worried that like sometimes I'm a big panster like I don't always know like where it's gonna go and sometimes like somehow I'm just writing without thinking about what I'm I'm just like yeah making it happen on the page so I was really yeah. concerned about like is that gonna fuck up and what's gonna happen and and uh, finally I was like no I'm doing it because I, I was I watched like a thing from Maisie Yates I don't know if you know her she's done a, mm-hmm. like, I think 130 books with Harlequin she's pretty young too and she started um dictating because she was getting carpal tunnel and I was like okay and so I tried it and yeah, it's amazing. I probably won't go back. How big was le- learning curve? To, like, I don't, I'm always like, you should try dictating. And then I'm like, no, no, no. I just feel like I need to no, just. That was me. That was me. And be with it. You, you, you know what I mean? Like sitting there. Definitely try dictating. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No, well, I mean, I, I'm probably, as you know, I'm obviously not a techie at all as evidenced by this podcast, <laughs> but, um, how I, I have dragon open on my screen and I'm talking and watching the words come in front of me. Okay. You know, so I can like correct, like whatever, it doesn't come up correctly, but it's just a lot faster. Okay. And I mean, right. and so you kind of correct as you go. And by the way, like I'm a super fast typer, like not to toot my own horn, but like I live in front of my computer. So it's not like, a. I thought to myself, I won't dictate because that's useless. I'm so fast mm-hmm. at typing, but I'm a lot faster at talking. How wild. And so d- does Dragon go into it, into Microsoft Word? Like, where does it yep. go? Yeah, it goes in Scrivener. So I write in Scrivener. Or Google- oh, it does go in Scrivener. Yep. Okay. Or, or right. uh, Google Docs. It also works in Google Docs. So those are the two places I'm usually writing. Like I, okay. I kind of write my me draft in Scrivener and I transfer it over to Google Docs and I have yeah. like my critique partners, you know, and my editor on Google Docs and I can move back and forth. But yeah, it works on both. I would, I would say it's a must for me now. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'll give it a shot. You know what? Maybe I bought an, do you, do you have a PC or a Mac? No, I have a Mac. Yeah. So then what you need to do is you need to buy an older version of Dragon. I'll email you the link, but it's, uh, if you get an older one, I think it was a hundred bucks for me because I didn't get the, okay. the most new version isn't compatible. So you, okay. you have some correcting to do as you go along. Right. But if you have Grammarly or just even a, like a word correction, like, I don't know, mine it immediately like underlines when it's incorrect and I just click on it, left click as I'm right. talking and correct as I go. And there's definitely a learning curve of learning to say like comma period, you know, 
but you do have to do that. Okay, yeah, I was curious if you have to do you, that. You okay. have to do that, and it sucks. And I haven't worked right. out how to say quotation mark yet. <laughs> it just keeps like, oh. writing <laughs> quotation mark, which like sucks. So now I just like put quotation mark with my fingers, but it's kind of cool because I can like lie on my bed and like talk to my computer and just like put quotation marks as I go. So so oh, that's funny. So my next CV scenes should be a lot better. <laughs> Yeah, how is that writing with it? Like writing a steamy scene like out loud while you're like yeah. dictating that. That's gonna be wild. Really, Have you done it yet? Really embarrassing when the nanny's working. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah of course. Oh, it's great. Of course. It's great. Oh. It's great. He kissed her softly. The firm touch of blah 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 blah. No, it's great. It's great. I highly <laughs> recommend it. Also, I've been day drinking, so yeah. <laughs> so that helps. It helps. Yeah. 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 Just to go into oblivion. It'll be fine. But yeah, definitely check it out. And the older version, I think I have Dragon Six, but it's great. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, because I think I tried Dragon once, like, I mean, eons ago. Like, we're talking years, and I was like, yeah, this isn't working for me. And I, like, really gave up very, very quickly. <laughs> I was just like, this has to work because if I'm going to keep up with this kind of work, like this kind of output, you know, there's no way yeah. that I'm going to be able to do oh. it. So. Right. so how long did it take you maybe to go like get into the swing of it? I just started like two weeks ago, but I don't know. Oh. Like, I dictated right. 3,500 words in like an hour yesterday. So whoa, worth it. Yeah. That is worth it. Yeah. Oof, maybe I'll have to try it. Yeah. Took me a bit, but oh, stick man. in there anyway. <laughs> Katie, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate you taking the time. No, thanks for having me. And I I, I hope I was steamy enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> we like all levels here. We love all levels okay. here. We are we are happy to oh, we, we do not discriminate. Work on the anal play. <laughs> we work we do not discriminate. <laughs> I'll have some reverse harem anal play next time. I don't know what. Perfect. I look forward to that. Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.